Welcome. It's great to be together. It's good to be with you. And I want to say that you're in the right place, whether you're watching in the sound or across the nation or in another country. We love you. God is with you. God loves you. And it's no exaggeration to say that there's no better news in the world that Jesus is risen. And as I look right now at an empty church, uh, we also know that the grave is empty. The tomb is empty. And because Jesus is alive, we have a hope that is a real hope today. And we want to talk about that together. We want to think through what's so significant about Easter and the resurrection and what does it matter for our lives today. And we're going to do that in the Gospel of Luke. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 24. This is also a series starting out. We're going to be together for 10 weeks. We hope that this will be a time, these next 10 weeks, where you can really dive into God's Word, the Gospel of Luke together, and we all draw close to Jesus. And as we start today. Let's uh, begin this time with prayer and let's look to God together. Uh, Gracious God, we thank you for your provision, for your protection, for your goodness, and how faithful and steady you are in our lives. And Jesus, we worship you because you're so much more than just a teacher, so much more than a prophet, so much more than just a good example. Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. And Jesus, we worship you in the fullness of who you are. We pray that we would have a clear vision of your greatness, of what you've done. And God, that we would worship you with a whole heart and not hold back in any ways. We thank you that all around the world, we're giving you praise because you are the resurrection and the life. You reign, you will return, and you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, I pray that you would be so personal to each of us during this time as we listen to you, as we open up our minds to you, as you fill our souls with your presence. No one else can, God, but we praise you and thank you for the Holy Spirit to fill us. We love you, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen. It was Passover week. You know, this is one of three festivals where the Israelites would gather together in Jerusalem. And during this time, they would look back on a rescue where God rescued them in Egypt from Pharaoh and from slavery, and he set them free. And at the same time as they're celebrating, looking back at the Passover rescue, they're also in the middle of a rescue. And yet it's unfolding, and they're trying to make sense of it. On Friday, the crucifixion of Jesus. And people were perplexed. People were concerned. They were processing what was going on. Jesus had the attention of the nation. And right now, Jesus has the attention of the nation. People are perplexed, people are a little confused, people are concerned, and people are searching. Just like 2,000 years ago, Jesus has our attention right now. And then Sunday morning, the resurrection, Jesus holds the healing of a nation. It was true back then, it's true right now. Jesus is our healer, he's our savior, he's the one who rescues And we go to him right now. He holds the healing. And as we draw close to him, it's because he's risen. He's not dead. This is not dead religion. We worship a living Savior. Now at that time, after the resurrection on Sunday, he began to make appearances. First to Mary Magdalene. And then he started to appear to more people. He was making it known that death, 
The devil cannot defeat him. Doom and gloom won't prevail. He is risen. And he makes it known. He's revealing himself. He's starting to visit different people. And as he shows up, we're going to trace some of the reactions. In Luke chapter 24, he comes alongside of two people that are on the road. They're taking a walk. We know one of them's Cleopas. And I've read this passage so many times this week, I feel kind of close to him, so I'm just going to call him Cleo. And then there's someone else who's anonymous, and we know that Cleo has a wife named Mary. It's probably Mary, but we can't be certain. Cleo's taking a walk. He's on this walk. It's Sunday afternoon. You know, kind of like after church, sometimes you're just out taking a walk, and you're thinking through everything you've heard from the Bible, and you're processing it. Maybe some of it makes sense. Some doesn't. You're trying to figure out what you want to believe. They're just taking a walk that they would never forget. It would be an unforgettable walk because the resurrected Jesus is going to show up. And this is Sunday afternoon. He hasn't ascended into heaven yet. Luke is the author. He's a physician. Praise God. He pays attention to details because all the details are significant. And Luke records this story, this true story. And as we consider Jesus and the resurrection and everything he's done today, let's consider the significance of Easter what he was doing 2,000 years ago, and what he's doing now. And let's not overlook, let's not miss three things that Jesus was doing then and he's doing now. Three things that we want to highlight from this passage in Luke chapter 24. And the first thing that he was doing then and now is that Jesus draws near to people who are downcast. Maybe you felt downcast. Cleo, downcast. Jesus draws near to people who are downcast. Let's read together in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? Jesus is drawing close to Cleo, who's downcast and is filled with disappointment. There were certain expectations back then. They were popular expectations that when the Messiah shows up, finally there will be freedom from Rome. And with that, there'll be a political military leader. They had expectations that Jesus was going to write their expectations. They had false expectations about the Messiah on his first coming. His first coming, he would die for our sins, risen. But in his second coming, he will come back as that military leader, king of kings, lord of lords, with all authority. But until then, they were confused in the scriptures. They had hoped for an overthrowing Rome, and it didn't happen. And you know, if you have expectations, and you desire something deep in your heart, and it doesn't play out that way, You feel disappointment, cancellations. You have to cancel those expectations. There's a lot of cancellations today, events, different things we thought we would be doing, we're not doing, and we can relate to disappointment. And then there was also death. They knew of the death of Jesus on Friday, and they were processing that death. Death is intense. Death is sobering. There's a somber feel. Uh, Right now, 
there's been about 500 deaths in Washington just with the coronavirus alone. There's been about uh, 20,000 in our country already and over 100,000 in the world. We're feeling this. Uh, death hits us hard and it hit Cleo hard. And Jesus went through this death and yet there's a greater hope that he's bringing and he brings a greater hope today. And along with disappointment and death, there's also doubt. When life gets painful, sometimes we start to question God, question his word. We don't see him clearly. The lens of pain starts to taint our view of God. And so they're disappointed. There's been death. They're doubting. They're walking away. They're walking away from the other disciples, the community of faith. They're walking away. They're going to do their own thing. They're going to follow what they want to do in life. And they're on that journey. They're on that road towards independence from God. And they're just frustrated and probably fed up on a lot of levels. And all that disappointment disappointment is happening and it makes us think, what are our pain points today? What are your pain points? If you were going to be honest and open up your heart, where's the pain? And what are you doing with that pain? Where do you turn when you have that much pain? Can anyone help? Can anyone understand? Can anyone handle it? And they're going to go through a process of opening up their hearts to Jesus because he's there he loves you. He cares. He wants you to share that pain with him right now. He comes alongside of us where we are, just like he came alongside of Cleo, just where Cleo was on that walk. And he starts to have a conversation. Jesus communicates through the word, through the Holy Spirit, sometimes through other people. And you know what? God can communicate in silence. Listen to God in the silence and the solitude and the times we're in right now. Listen to God. He communicates. We long for his voice. And right now, we don't have so many things. We don't have sports. We don't have school. Some of us maybe don't have jobs. We don't have travel. We don't have the same events. There's so many things that we don't have right now. It's almost like an unintentional fasting. You know, fasting can be intentional where you don't do some things or don't eat for a certain time to seek God. Right now, it's kind of an unintentional fasting. Life has been simplified. Life has been stripped down. It's like the whole world has just slowed down. And God has our attention and he holds our healing and things have been shaken and the economy's shaken and sometimes our emotions feel shaken and as things are shaking, we're trying to figure out what are my idols? What do I need to let go of? Where do I need to turn? There's pain, there's concerns, there's uncertainty. And Jesus is this non-anxious presence in our lives. He's trustworthy, he's calm, he's good, and we can go to him. We can get rid of our idols, and we can go to the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are you feeling that simplification right now? That shaking, that stripping away of idols? That's what's happening for Cleo, because he's holding on to so many things, and Jesus is going to help him to let go of those things and trust Jesus, just like Jesus is doing today with us. You know, that first Easter weekend, Friday grieving, Saturday grieving, Sunday receiving. And I think we do both at the same time, grieving and receiving. It's okay to grieve. It's healthy to grieve. But we also don't grieve like those without hope. There's a hope that's greater. There's two realities. There's the reality of our pain, but then there's the reality that this too shall pass. It's only going to last for a while that Jesus is going to ultimately heal 
everything, make everything right. Every injustice will be made right. And we're waiting, we're looking forward to that glory that'll far outweigh all the trials we go through. So do we grieve? Yes. But it's also so important to receive. Just receive his love, which is greater than our loss. Receive his peace, which is greater than our worries and fears. Receive his faithfulness, which is greater than our wandering the wrong direction. His grace abounds. And it's important to grieve, yes, but the second reality, the reality of the resurrection is a greater reality than the temporary suffering that we go through. And we need to turn to Jesus in the greater reality. That's what Cleo's doing. And we see this throughout scripture, starting to drift, grieving, but then receiving from the Lord and being filled with hope. Psalm 42, you know, in the Psalms, their prayers, their songs, where people pour out their souls to God. In Psalm 42, you picture like a worship leader here, someone who used to praise the Lord, someone, this church, I just think of us singing together and being here and hugs and it's a long time ago. Well, the same situation in Psalm 42, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng, shouts of joy and praise. But now, almost in exile, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Even though it's not like it used to be two months ago, I'm not going to be downcast. I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm going to give him my praise with all my heart. That's a receiving that's greater than the grieving. And yes, the psalmist couldn't enter into the temple at that time. But yes, the psalmist was going to continue to praise the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all of our mind. I was thinking of Geneva Wood. She's 90 years old, lives in Kirkland. And of course, so much has happened in Kirkland the last couple months. Uh, She is a survivor. She contracted the virus, COVID-19, and she lived. She made it through. She says, as she points to her faith in God, and also the prayers of her family and her church family as well. This is her quote. She says, I could feel God's presence. When she was you know, alone, sick, didn't know if she was going to make it or not, she said, I could feel God's presence. I couldn't see his face, but I could feel his hands. Through the night, I knew he was with me. If it hadn't been for him, I couldn't have done it. I wasn't alone because he was with me all the time. She spent 19 days in the hospital. And you know the doctor, praise God right now for the doctors, the nurses. The doctor came in and read her the Bible every day. Read her scriptures, strengthened her faith. That doctor was serving as a physician and he was serving to build up her soul. And people ask her, what would you say to everyone right now? You're 90 years old, you've made it through this coronavirus. She said, put your trust in God. Lean on him, give your life to him. Put your trust in God, lean on him, give your life to him. I remember in trying to explain the situation right now to our four kids, shelter in place, what that's going to mean. No more school the rest of the year, shelter in place. And one of my kids said, dad, we need to shelter in God. We need to find our shelter in God right now, in the relationship, in the closeness. God's presence makes all the difference. Jesus' presence 
risen from the grave, makes all the difference. And he is with us always to the very end of the age. Receive from him, especially when you're downcast. Jesus comes alongside of us, draws near to us when we're downcast, and then he starts to transform us. It's the second thing he did for Cleo. It's the second thing he did uh, 2,000 years ago and he does today. He transforms our hearts with both his grace and truth. He transforms our hearts with his toughness and his tenderness, and we need both. Let's see how it plays out in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 19. What things, Jesus asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. And they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. There were two tragedies here. First, Jesus was crucified on Friday. But then the second tragedy is that Cleo's walking away from Jesus on Sunday. And there's two rescues. Not only did Jesus die for our sins, risen from the grave, but there's a second rescue as Jesus will come to Cleo and transform his heart. Two tragedies, two rescues. The rescues are greater than the tragedies as Jesus continues to instill hope. And for Cleo, he has a big decision to make. And I believe this is a time of decision in our lives right now. I go back to a verse, the prophet Jeremiah, and he brought truth in bleak times. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. So they had an option. They had a choice. God's gentle, still voice. This is the way. Walk in it. Have you heard that voice? Has God been guiding you lately? This is the way. Walk in it. And there's a crossroads and you have to decide, am I going to walk in that way or am I going to walk my own way? Am I going to walk a different way? Am I going to walk the patterns of this world or am I going with God? And God says, this is the way. Walk in it. Trust me. Jesus is saying it to Cleo. This is the way I want you to walk. Not towards Emmaus. I want you to go in the other direction. Trust me. This is a time right now, I believe, that so many people are deciding in kind of this unintentional fasting and in this stillness, what is my life all about? What am I going to live for? What's most important to me? What's my schedule going to be like? What's my passion? How am I going to live? People are deciding, listen to the Lord. This is the way, walk in it. And Jesus asked questions to reveal our heart. First, he asked the question to them, what are you discussing? What kind of things were happening? Jesus knows. I mean, it's all centered on him. But he asked the question. 
And then he continues with another question. He says, what things? Tell me more. And he keeps drawing them out and drawing them out and drawing them out. You know, it's been said that you really need to ask someone three times, how are you doing? Because in our culture, the first time you say, how are you doing? It means I see you. And then you've got to ask, how are you really doing? And then someone's going to open up because they know you want to listen and they know you care. And when they open up, then you ask, and how are you feeling about that? And then they open up and they give you exactly where they're at. Their hearts are revealed. It's a process of communication where we say, I care, I'm interested, I'm here, and we go deep. That's where Jesus goes with their hearts. That's where Cleo, he's going to be guided by Jesus. He's going to open up his heart. And you know what Jesus does? This is shocking. He brings a rebuke. And you say, wait a second. The resurrection just happened. The greatest miracle in the world. And what is Jesus going to do? The resurrected Jesus is going to bring a rebuke? That's exactly what he does because he's Jesus. And we don't write the script for him. He's God. And he asks the question, why are you so slow of heart to believe? Why are you so slow of heart to believe? And as you read through the Bible, Jesus asks these questions that are rebukes. Jesus heals 10 who have leprosy. Only one comes back to thank Jesus. And Jesus says, where are the other nine? Uh, The religious leaders want to trap Jesus. And they try to ask him their trickiest questions. And Jesus asks them, why is it that you don't know the scripture or the power of God? The disciples are in the storm and Jesus is sleeping. The disciples are panicked because there's a storm and they say, we're going to die. We're going to drown. And they wake Jesus up and Jesus says, where's your faith? Where's your faith in the storm? You say, well, he's bringing truth. That's exactly what he does with these questions. Why? Because we need truth. Because truth guides us to Jesus. Jesus always brings truth. He is the truth, and ultimately the truth will lead us to him. We sin against God, but Jesus died for our sins. He's risen. He is the truth. We can trust him. In a world of all kinds of fake reports, all kinds of rumors, Jesus is the truth. And he brings truth, and that's his toughness, and we need it. We need truth. You know, Cleo was even using the right words. Some people have all the right words. Cleo's talking about the third day. Well, it's the third day. And when he says the third day, he doesn't understand the meaning of that phrase. Now, 2,000 years later, we look back and we're like, the third day, that's right, don't forget the third day. Jesus defeated death. He overcame the grave on the third day. And we hear third day, we're ready to sing about the third day. Well, for Cleo, he's just saying it. And some people will just say Jesus, say God, say Bible, third day. Well, what does that mean? What's the fullness of that meaning? And Cleo's heard a lot. He says, you know, the women said they saw Jesus. And then there were angels that confirmed. You know, sometimes we are so stubborn, aren't we? We're just going to hold on to our doubt. We're going to hold on to our opinions. It's like, here's more evidence. You had the women, Sharon. You had uh, the angels. Then you had the disciples go to the tomb. Everyone's saying the same thing. It's the same thing as Jesus is saying. Here's the truth, Cleo. Open up your heart and your mind to the truth. And Jesus brings that. Cleo is saying, well, we know he's a prophet. We know there are miracles. We know there's good teaching. He's holding the opinion that's so popular in the nation at that time. Jesus is just a prophet, just a teacher, just does a couple of miracles. He's missing who Jesus is. And he's not 
following Jesus fully. Let me ask you, are you fully following the Lord? Is he more in your life than just a good example, a teacher, you know, someone that uh, lived a life that's inspiring? Is he more than that? Is he your Lord? Is there any area of your life where you're holding back because of fear, selfishness? Uh, You're holding back and not following him. And Jesus transforms us with his truth. He brings truth then. He brings truth now. And I believe the pressure that we're under right now, pressure reveals so much, doesn't it? Pressure reveals hearts. Pressure reveals whether we trust God or not. It reveals who's teachable. It reveals who's listening to Jesus, who's going to walk with Jesus, uh, whose hearts are kind of flammable. I like that word flammable. You know, you can have firewood that's wet and then you can have fire uh, wood that's going to blaze. And flammability, teachability, it reveals the condition of our hearts. And I saw this picture in the news. It's a metaphor, really. When you think about West Seattle and my wife and I, our family, we love to go over to Elkai Beach, walk along that beach. Maybe you enjoy that beach too. And so it caught my attention in the news when it said the bridge to West Seattle is cracked. There's cracking in the bridge. And I was starting to read about that and I didn't know that there's 100,000 cars a day that travel over the bridge. And the cracking's not new. They first discovered it in 2013, but they've been watching it and watching it. And right now they noticed that it's dangerous. And so they shut it down and they're doing some work on it. It's kind of like a reset. And I believe this time right now is kind of like a reset. And sometimes when the situation brings lots of pressure, it reveals where the cracks are. It reveals where we need God. It reveals that we want to turn to Jesus and have him transform our hearts, transform our lives, go deeper, trust him more in prayer, in the word, that we want a foundation that's solid. And sometimes those cracks reveal how much we need the Lord. And this is a reset for the bridge going over to West Seattle. This is a reset time for us spiritually And God is gracious. God is patient. Jesus walks with them and he walks them through the Bible. He walks them through scripture. Don't know exactly what he says, but he points out how all of scripture points to him. The Bible is all about Jesus. Maybe he opened up Genesis and pointed out that he is the covering for Adam and Eve. He is the sacrifice for Adam and Eve to bring restoration to the Father. Maybe he talked about Exodus, where he is the one who breaks the bondage of slavery to sin, sin's presence, its power. God breaks it through Jesus. Or maybe Leviticus with all the laws that we don't keep the laws, we can't keep the laws perfectly, but he did and he's sinless. And because of that, he can die in our place and we can have his righteousness even though we're lawbreakers. Maybe he pointed to Isaiah chapter 53 that he's the suffering servant. Maybe he talked about Psalm 22 and the details of the crucifixion and there he is. Maybe the prototype of Joshua going into the promised land and how he wants to lead us into a new heaven and a new earth eternally at home with him. No more pain or death. Maybe in Psalm 23 that he's now the good shepherd or Daniel, resurrection and hope and the one who is to return and come. I don't know all the scripture, but he's transforming their hearts. God's word will transform your heart. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time in the word. Go deep. All of scripture, all of it 
is about Jesus, not just the New Testament. It's all about Jesus. Worship is all about Jesus. Church is all about Jesus. Easter is all about Jesus. Our lives, all about Jesus. And Cleo's starting to get it. He's gone from downcast, Jesus draws near. Now his heart, Jesus is transforming him with truth and grace, truth and grace. And now what we see is the third thing. There is an awakening. God is awakening you with a spiritual vibrancy. Just like the first Easter, God does it today. Look at verse 28 as we see the conversation continue. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus asked if they were going further. But they urged him strongly. They said, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen, and he has appeared to Simon." Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he took the bread. Spiritual vibrancy and awakening. We see the fruit of this, don't we, in Bud's story that we watched. Even though he physically died twice, has overcome cancer, bone marrow, and, and all the work they've done, the chemo, and then leading people to Jesus. He's led many to Jesus during this trial. Why? Because there's a spiritual vibrancy in him that's greater than the cancer. I was listening to someone who said that they've met more of their neighbors in the last three weeks than they have in 12 years. What's happening? A spiritual vibrancy, awakening to love our neighbors, to care for them, to get to know them, to serve them. I'm hearing about people who are writing notes, making masks, uh, making calls, um, including getting groceries for people that can't giving forms in the neighborhood saying, how can I serve you? I just want to help. What is this? It's a spiritual vibrancy. When you love God and you receive Jesus's love, you have a greater love for your neighbor and you care for their bodies, their emotions, their souls. These are the fruit of spiritual vibrancy, but really what's at the core? It's a little bit of mystery how this works, but I want to point out both. On the one hand, it says their eyes were opened. God opened their eyes to who Jesus is and opened their eyes to scripture. We rely on God. We can't do it ourselves. He's the only one. But then they also said to Jesus, stay with us. There was a hunger. Jesus, it says, was going to walk and keep walking. And I don't know if he was just kind of waiting for them. Uh, I don't think it was a total, you know, juke. But he was taking a step, another step. And they said, stay with us. And Jesus turned back and stayed with them and spent time with them. God somehow opens our eyes and then he also knows who's hungry. And he responds to that hunger and Jesus stays with them. And he took bread and he gave thanks, and with it, the same language as the upper room, the first communion, took the bread, broke it, gave thanks, and then distributed it. And that's when their eyes were opened. That was the moment. And you think about that picture of communion. The bread, his body. He's pointing back to his sacrifice. But now in victory, 
His blood has accomplished the forgiveness of sins and he's risen from the dead. Powerful moment. Don't miss it. It's emphasized twice in this passage that as he takes the bread, breaks it, their eyes are open. They see who he is. And I believe Jesus wants to awaken us today in the same way on this Easter. Our hearts, our minds, our eyes open to who he really is and what he's really done. I want to share with you something that happened on a walk Uh, walks are kind of a highlight right now. Get out of the house, get some fresh air. And this picture, I think it's metaphorical. It stood out to me. And the first thing I saw was a bald eagle. Now, maybe you can see it up on the top of the tree. An eagle, a bald eagle. That's my favorite kind of eagle, a bald eagle. America is what I thought of. There's a bald eagle up there. And I thought of America. And the bald eagle started to soar and started to fly. And uh, there you can see the bald eagle. And it's like, what else? There's something else. And then another picture. And you can see that the bald eagle is carrying, carrying this branch. And I had this image in my mind, going back to the book of Genesis, when there was a flood. And right now we feel flooded in many ways. And there was a flood. And then Noah sent out, he sent out the dove that came back with an olive leaf in the mouth. And it was a sign of hope, life beyond the flood. Life beyond the virus for our country. I believe it was like a symbol of hope and a reminder of God's grace, his faithfulness, that this too shall pass in our country. What's happening in our country right now? I believe uh, restoration will increase when there's repentance. I believe this is a time to repent in our minds, in our actions, in our attitudes, in our hearts, to make a shift, to turn to Jesus, to be in alignment with heaven, to honor him for his greatness, to follow him, to trust him, to glorify him, to not hold back. We need to repent. There's sin in the land. And I believe as we get on our knees and turn from our sin, I believe he will bring restoration. Cleo is repenting from his unbelief and his stubbornness. And there's going to be restoration in his life. Repentance brings restoration. Nations are healed when there's repentance. And repentance, sometimes it's all together. Sometimes it's alone. Sometimes it's with tears. Sometimes it's just with reverence and awe. We repent. We return. We come home. That's what Cleo's doing with Jesus. And there's going to be life. His heart, he says, we are not our hearts burning again. Their hearts are starting to burn again with the love of God and the presence of God. We need that. We've kind of been waiting. We've kind of been perplexed. We've kind of been numb. We've kind of been distracted. We've kind of been wondering. We're kind of being fearful. We need our hearts come alive. That's what the resurrection is all about. We don't have to wait till after the virus. Our hearts come alive with Jesus because of who he is and his nearness. Let's pause. Let's remember the greatness of the Lord. Let's remember all his benefits. So we will praise him. Psalm 103. Look at what the scripture says. Praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Will you remember who Jesus is today? The resurrection and everything he's done to change your life, to care for you. Will you remember? Because the more you remember, the more you praise. Not a partial trust or a partial praise or a stingy praise, but a praise that doesn't hold back because he's worthy for who he is and all he's done. In Cleo, his heart starts to burn with praise and excitement and his life is going to change. He was going to Emmaus. Now there's a change. 
He's going to repent. 180 degrees. Now he's going to Jerusalem. Now there's a change of direction. Now the conversations change. Now his passions change. Now his relationships are changed. Now his purpose has changed. Now he's in alignment with Jesus and he's going to go for it. His life will never be the same. The resurrected Jesus, when you get close to him, your life will never be the same. Made alive. Faith moves. Faith responds. We abide with Jesus and faith moves. Not going to Emmaus anymore, going back to Jerusalem to be with the community of faith, to spread the good news. And even if I die, I'm going to spread the good news of the resurrection. Faith moves. Faith responds. Jesus is not dead. Faith is not dead. Faith is alive. I want to give you an opportunity right now to make a faith decision. I'm going to give you five options, but I want you to pick the one. This is between you and God. There might be other people in the room with you, but this is between you and God, your relationship with God. You pick the one that's your next step. Just like Cleo knew his next step was to go to Jerusalem. What's your next step? The first option could be to put your trust in Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've been watching. You've maybe never been to church, haven't really heard the gospel and the good news. And today you're hearing it and you believe and you want to make a decision. On the connecting card, you indicate it. Jesus, my Savior, the Lord of my life, for the first time, I want to put my trust in him. What a glorious day on Easter to make that decision. Here's a second option, a second decision for your next step, water baptism. Maybe you've been procrastinating. Maybe you've been fearful. You got some excuses and you know it's time to honor Jesus, glorify Jesus with water baptism. Here's a third option. All these on the connecting card or you can leave a comment. We'll follow up. The third option is that you get connected. We're in a time of isolation and insulation. We need each other. Even digital groups are so good. We have Alpha. We have life groups. If you're interested in spiritual things and they're new to you, Alpha. If you want to go deep in your faith, life groups. We're going to go the next 10 weeks through the Gospel of Luke. You just write life groups. Type life groups. Facebook Live, put life groups. The chat, put life groups. Connecting card, life groups. Those are three options. Put your trust in Jesus for the first time. Baptism, life groups. Here's a fourth option, and there's no card for this one. It's prayer. We need prayer right now. We need people to pray. Maybe your prayer has been kind of casual kind of shallow, kind of distracted, and it's time to pray. It's time to fast and pray. It's time to go deep. It's time to cry out to God. Is that your next step? And then here's a, a fifth option, is to tell your story. We just read Cleo's story, how Jesus changed his life. Now, what about your story? How has Jesus changed your life? You can glorify him amazing ways through your story. Just humbly, authentically sharing your story. Many people have shared it already this week through social media. Jesus changed my life. And you just make that video, tell your story, post it. And uh, so many people be drawn to what Jesus has done in your life. And again, uh, it's just your story. It's awesome. It's powerful. Just like this was Cleo's story. Think about one of those five and then a time of decision. I want to uh, lead us into prayer right now and making those decisions. Let's pray. God, as we gather together as family, not only around the greater Seattle area and the nation, but around the nations, God, we thank you that you love people from all nations. And Lord, you are global and personal. And God, we pray right now that if somebody is making the decision for the first time to put their trust in you, that this would be the moment where they say yes to Jesus. They make a clear decision. They make their own decision. And right now, right now, you say, Jesus, I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. You died for my sins and you're risen. 
and I decide to follow you, Jesus. We pray right now for decisions for water baptism. God, we thank you for that way to honor you, Jesus. And God, we pray right now for people who are isolated to get connected through Alpha and Life groups. We pray for that decision. God, we pray for our prayer lives, that they wouldn't stay shallow, but deep we cry out to you, God, with deep burdens we would bring to you and deep prayers, fasting as well, seeking you, repenting, God. We pray for that, those decisions, that that would change in our lives. And God, we pray right now for the decision to tell our story, to not hold back of the good things you've done, but to thank you and to praise you and to not pretend like you didn't really do much, Jesus, but instead to give you praise. Guide these decisions for your glory. In all these decisions, we glorify you, Jesus, that you are risen, that our faith is alive because you're alive, and we praise your name. Amen.